With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Literary Speaking with Crystal Lee Quibell. Literary Speaking is the author's guide to writing and publishing, sharing tips and tricks for aspiring authors. Crystal Lee's expert guests will bring you the latest information on how to write and publish your book into being. Are you ready to tell your story? Here's your host. Welcome to Literary Speaking. I'm your host, Crystal Lee Quibel, and today we're talking to Albert Flynn DeSilver. Albert is the author of Beamish Boy, I Am Not My Story, a memoir of recovery and awakening. He's also an internationally published poet, artist, teacher, and writing coach. Albert, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Crystal. Delighted to be here. Great. So, Albert, in your memoir, Beamish Boy, you detail your life growing up under some tumultuous circumstances and how you struggled yourself with drugs and alcohol. What really inspired you to write this? Wow. Well, you know, besides the circumstances, I had been writing poetry for years, and mm-hmm. uh, I, it, the story wouldn't go away, and it mm-hmm. wanted to be told in a in a different way. And somehow in a more narrative, traditionally narrative fashion, it seemed to me. Mm-hmm. And so it just kept nagging and nagging and, and poetry wasn't the wasn't the, the answer. So I started writing prose, writing down some scenes and reading other people's memoirs and getting more and more inspired and feeling like, well maybe maybe I have a story here that can help people and that can also help Mm me, (laughs) you know, really process it, (laughs) deal with it and kind of get it out of the inside of me, you know, out of my bones, out of my muscles, out of my head and onto the page. And it, it kind of started from there. Wow. And then actually, you know, I went to a, I went to a, a community writing workshop. The, there's a San Francisco uh, chronicle mm-hmm. columnist uh, named Adair Lara who does memoir workshops. And uh, so a bunch of years ago I went to one of her, her workshops just to check it out, learn a little bit more about memoir writing, and shared a little bit about my story. And people just looked at me in shock and were like, oh, mm-hmm. You have a story to tell for sure. <laughs> so I was like, oh, okay. It was a little bit more uh, um, validation there. Yeah, for sure. So, how long total did it take you to write the book from beginning to write till you were ready to query agents? Oh, boy. Well, my entire life, really. <laughs> but technically, <laughs> the writing portion of the program. Oh, I would say it took about three years, you know, to really, you know, I had to, I had to learn how to write prose. That was the hardest part for me yeah. uh, because I'd been writing poetry for so long. I didn't, I wasn't sure if I could complete a sentence <laughs> really. <laughs> so I, 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 you know, I had to learn that process and practice and practice and practice. And, um, 
and it just kind of went on from there. I love that. With memoir, you know, there's so many writers that will speak up and say they kind of fear the backlash they might receive from family and friends. And, you know, when you publish memoir, you're really putting it out there. Did you have any experience with this? Did you experience sort of that fear of putting it out and not knowing what you would receive in return? Sure. You know, I think it's important. For me, it was really important just to to tell my story. And first of all, to tell it to myself and mm-hmm. get clarity on it and to have that, you know, 10,000-foot perspective. And <laughs> and then I didn't know what would happen with it. I wasn't sure whether I'd want to make it a public thing. But mm-hmm. when I decided to do that, uh, I did want to respect, you know, how it would be received in the world. And as I was completing uh, the memoir, which which includes a lot about my mother, She's sort of the main character besides me. And so mm-hmm. I was almost finished with the book, ready to, to kind of sew it up. And my mom got sick with cancer. Oh, wow. And a severe, you know, state, terminal, basically. And, and so I had to revision the whole program, you know. And I ended up redoing the end of the book. And the last chapter was, was actually, the last chapter is called Beamish Girl, and it's about mm-hmm. her dying and this mm-hmm. whole resolution around love and forgiveness that was crucial to to my healing and and kind of connecting with my mom and and letting her go mm-hmm. uh, so i didn't really have to I never really discussed the book with her that much. She was a little bit mortified, but didn't basically didn't want to <laughs> read it and didn't want to know. It. <laughs> and then, you know, and then she died, and and it was up to me to to be as mm-hmm. kind of open and truthful as possible. I did run into some issues with a friend of mine. Um, there's a section of the book about this psychedelic therapy cult that I was involved with, mm-hmm. and my best friend was kind of involved in the the meltdown of the the whole group and you know with some pretty <laughs> terrible not terrible but difficult behavior and so mm-hmm. he didn't like a lot of what I was writing about his yeah. role and so I ended up basically just editing it out because I realized it didn't add or take away from the story mm-hmm. um and it well, made him feel a whole lot better well, that's nice because, you know, a lot of people, you know, we write memoir and there is that fear, right, that will upset somebody. And then there's also, you know, a part of us that needs to write the truth out and get Absolutely. it out there. But it yeah. is it is really, um, I think there is a part where you write everything and then you edit it down and not to take everybody's feedback, but somebody that that is that close to you and is willing to say, you know, I'm uncomfortable and you can, you know, shape it and and make them comfortable as well because you really want to tell the best story without hurting everyone. And I think that's what a lot of memoirists aim to do. It's for you, not for other people. Right. Well, that yeah, that's very true. And, you know, there's lots of ways of um, just covering people's uh, identities and you know, everyone had a, a fictional name in in my my book. 
mm-hmm. except maybe my my parents. Um, so nobody really, you'd have to really be an intimate to know who was who. Mm-hmm. So during this, you know, the writing process and, and the whole book process, because you've, you've published, you know, poetry and memoir, and what part did you find the most challenging? Was it the writing or the editing or <laughs> perhaps querying or negotiating publishing contracts? You know, there's so much to writing a book. but Yeah. What, well, it's all daunting and all challenging and all equally rewarding on some level. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you have to put on different hats and engage in different minds for different portions of the program. You know, your creative mm-hmm. writing hat is, and creative writing mind is very different than your uh, proposal mind and your querying mind. Uh, you sort of have to get into the mind of the agent and the and the editor, you know. So there's there's those sort of three different minds that one has to be able to shift back and forth from uh, in order to complete a book. Uh, but if I had to pick one, I think this day and age, the agent querying is like is the hardest thing. I, I have a new agent mm-hmm. now for my my novel, and. It's just been such an <laughs> amazing journey. <laughs> like I just can't even believe how difficult it it's been. It's really remarkable. You know, it's, 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 there's such a limited. Um, I don't know. You know, they have the power to to be really specific about what they like and what they want in this day and mm-hmm. age. You know, if you really want a, a mainstream publisher, so. Uh, they don't, you know, most of the time they don't even respond to your your emails. Mm-hmm. Um, but all it takes is one. All it takes yes. is one, you know. So you just, one has to keep at it. I mean, between the two, between my memoir and my novel, I've probably queried over 70 agents. Wow. Yeah. And I've yeah, heard, and I have not- colleagues who have queried over 150. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You know, up to yeah, you 200. really have to be resilient, you know. It's you about resiliency. Absolutely. Well, you have everyone, to fall you're in love to... with the, the word no. But keep yes. in your mind <laughs> and your heart for yourself always the word yes. Mm, that's great advice. Everyone, you're listening to Literary Speaking with Crystal Lee Quibble, and today we're talking with author and writer, writing teacher, Albert Flynn DeSilver. When we come back from the break, we're going to discuss his widely popular writing workshops and retreats with authors like Cheryl Strayed, Elizabeth Gilbert, and David Eggers. We'll be right back. Your story is begging to be told, but do you know where to start? Crystal Lee Quibell is dedicated to helping you achieve your book publishing dreams. Go to crystalleequibell.com. That's crystalleequibell, Q-U-I-B-E-L-L.com, and sign up for Crystal Lee's newsletter today. Welcome back to Literary Speaking. I'm your host, Crystal Lee Quibble, and we're continuing our conversation today with poet and memoirist Albert Flynn DeSilver. Albert, you've hosted writers' retreats and workshops, and you've gotten to work with Cheryl Strayed and Elizabeth Gilbert. How did this opportunity sort of come into being? Yeah, great question. Uh, basically, I asked. <laughs> you know, that phrase, uh, ask and it is given. 
uh, I've always taken that to heart and taken it kind of literary, not only literarily, but literally. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I've done various events over the years when I was publishing poetry and and, uh, doing events around poetry. I, I used to do some benefit events for the California Poets in the Schools program and uh, and then I just kind of wanted to ramp it up a little bit, and I was getting more interested in memoir. And when Cheryl's book, you know, a colleague, uh, the great memoirist and novelist Pam Houston, I, mm-hmm. I saw a post of hers about Cheryl Strayed on Facebook, and I hadn't heard of Cheryl. And I read her essay in the Sun magazine, and I was just like, whoa. <laughs> you know, it just sent <laughs> chills up my spine. I was like, who is this woman? And this was right before Wild came out, and I hadn't read her novel. But uh, then Wild hit stores. I read it, loved it. And on a way, I was just like, wow, wouldn't it be great to bring her to, to Northern California and do an event? First, I thought around uh, up in Lake Tahoe, I wanted to do something near the Pacific Crest Trail. And so I just pitched her agent. I got in touch with her agent in New York. And, I mean, I always know, but I didn't have, like, Brilliant Writer didn't exist at the time, and I was just sort of a funny mm-hmm. nobody. But um, for some reason, her agent wrote back, and Cheryl was kind of interested. But they didn't want to do a weekend thing up in Tahoe. They said, how about something down in the Bay Area? So I booked a hotel, and just I sort of made it up as I went along. And then it just started, started snowballing, and we ended up putting on an amazing event for about 270 people in Petaluma, California, in 2013. And it was such a huge success. Cheryl loved it. We all loved it. All the participants had an amazing time. Uh, And it just kind of snowballed from there. And then I asked Cheryl again to do something in Maui, Hawaii, uh, a couple years later. um, And that just happened this spring. And, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, once that happened, then it's like, oh, you're the guy that does these events with best-selling authors. <laughs> so when I when I approached uh, Liz, the timing was kind of perfect because she was coming out with her, her new book, um, mm-hmm. uh, Big Magic, Creative Living Beyond Fear, and was actually open to doing a workshop. She'd never taught a workshop. I thought this, you know, I thought she did it all the time for some reason, but oh, wow. she had never taught a writing workshop, and this was her very <laughs> first one. <laughs> That is perfect. That's the story. Wow. And so, you know, you also have other, do you have any other writing retreats that are coming up with different authors or anything? Yeah, well, you know, I do two things. I do these best-selling author events with people like Cheryl and Liz, but I also do my own events. They're a little more intimate, depending on the venue, but I teach it uh, a lot of spiritual centers like Spirit Rock out in California here and the Esalen Institute, the Omega Institute, uh, Hollyhock, we were talking about this off air, um, which is up in Vancouver in Canada. Mm-hmm. And those workshops are much more one-on-one with me, and uh, they range anywhere from 20 to 50 people. Uh, sometimes they're up to 100 people, like at my, my day long at Spirit Rock. But... Um, those are a way that people can really hone in intensively, not only on the writing process, but also on the being process. Because I teach mm. a lot of mindfulness and meditation, which helps yeah. people transcend writer's block, um, helps them really get into the mindset of being able to complete a book. 
Because writing a book is it's not for wimps. It's a huge endeavor to really follow mm-hmm. through, to really write a good publishable book is it's a huge endeavor and one has to really get over a lot of their self-limiting beliefs about what they're capable of. That's so, so true. I mean, that's what I found in my experience. Um, and I think it's like in this day and age, anybody can, you know, you can write a nice little simple book and kind of get it out to your friends and, you know, publish it online and stuff. But, you know, to really do a book that's going to transform people's lives, it, it takes a huge amount of commitment and editing and process and a whole team of people to help bring it to the world. Mm-hmm. Do you what, – what would you say when people come to, you know, a writing retreat or a workshop, is there a theme of probably the most common concern among writers – yeah, I mean, it it varies. People are at different stages. Um, you know, some people have a lot of of doubt, self-doubt of and self-criticism. You know, mm-hmm. is this any good or it's never any good. Anything I write is never any good. You know, that kind of thing <laughs> can be a hindrance. Uh, a lot of people tend to have uh, just a challenge of completing something. Uh, or they might have written for years and years, but it's all scattered and all over the place, so they need it kind of compressed and edited down. Uh, it, it's never really one thing. Um, but, you know, and then a lot of the questions tend to come around, okay, so I have this good idea, I have some good notes and done a lot of great writing. You know, what do I? how do I approach the publishing world? You know, how do I do deal with that? And do I self-publish? Do I go with a traditional publisher? Do I go with a small publisher? Do I do a hybrid kind of a thing? You know, there's so many different options these days. Absolutely. What do you think is probably the best advice you've received about writing? <laughs> God, <laughs> probably shut up and write. Was <laughs> say. <laughs> It's a moniker I've been seeing in the Bay Area for years. I think it's a, a writing group in San Francisco. There's some people who get together uh, every you know week or something, and they they have a sort of a quiet, silent, free writing thing. It's just you know that's it. Shut up and write. You know our minds are constantly going chatter, 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 and coming up with excuses and ideas and self-imposed limitations and conditions habits of thought and so forth that keep us from actually sitting down in the chair and doing the hard work of writing. And so I think just shut up and write. It's like the best advice I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> stay committed, so you know, true. stay with the process and you will succeed. Absolutely. So for when you were writing, I mean, you're finished writing, did you end up going with an editor before you pitched to an agent or did you just, you know, polish on your own and then uh, approach agents and, and work with an editor with a pub- with the publishing house? Yeah, that's a good question. You know, the prose world is still relatively new to me. I've only been writing prose for about the last five years. Uh, mm-hmm. So with my novel, for example, that I just finished this year and, and landed a new agent, for uh i i worked with no fewer than than four private editors so i started with you know i i took it as far as i could on what basically on what i knew 
And then I hired a developmental editor mm-hmm. for stage one, and then I hired another developmental editor. <laughs> and um, and then I hired a, a copy editor toward the end uh, before I pitched to an agent. You know, I really wanted to make this book as, as good as possible before Absolutely. I went to um, – to any agents and then you know now i'm i'm with the agent and we're going to go into a another round of edits before we pitch the publishers so it's it's an incredible process but i do recommend people to to do that to hire a a professional and i underline the word professional experienced editor somebody who if you want to publish with the top five you know, the random houses of the Vikings, et cetera, then you need to hire a professional editor that's actually worked editing books that have been published at that level. Um, Absolutely. You know, it's, it's easy to find sort of a local editor and say, oh, yeah, I've edited some novels and so forth. But I think you really need to scrutinize a little bit and find somebody who has that core experience. Yeah, I mean, that's fantastic advice because a lot of people – you know, have a dream to publish with the top five. And I think when I began writing, I was so green and I had no idea. I thought you just wrote a draft and sent it off and that was it. (laughs) And now, now, you know, when you're into the thick of it and you're on, you know, a second or third editor, a lot of a lot of uh, writers wonder, you know, am I, am I am I wasting my money? Am I wasting my time? Should I be querying this? But I think what you said is so important. You want to put out the absolute best work you can to put it in the hands of an agent who can take it to the top five. So really, how do you think people – or how do people find editors that have worked with the top five? Well, I mean, I have a very specific – uh, recommendation. Uh, mm-hmm. A woman I know, Natasha Lekic, um, she's out of New York. She has a, a company called New York Book Editors. I think they're at mm-hmm. New York, nybookeditors.com might be the, okay. the website. But she is fantastic. I met with her personally in New York, uh, and all of her, she, hi- she doesn't directly hire, but she has a, a pool of editors, they're all freelance editors that have experience with the the top five publishers. Mm-hmm. And they've worked primarily in fiction and memoir. And I've worked with well, at least one or two of their editors, and they were fantastic. And so they're a really great um, recommended resource for people who want to publish at that level. And not everybody does. I mean, you know, it's it may be perfectly appropriate to do, uh, you know, your first book as a, a self-published, which isn't to say you mm-hmm. don't want to hire possibly Absolutely. fun. You do. You always do. Um, and that kind of level is is um, appropriate for even self-publishing, um, even more so if you want to really sell books and get it out there. <laughs> Yes, you want to have the best work out there possible. Even if you're self-publishing, you want to make sure there's no spelling mistakes. And and I guess for our listeners, that's the difference between a developmental editor and the copy editor because the developmental is really the structure of the story and and making things flow. Is that correct? Exactly, yeah. And And for for someone like me who didn't have experience as a 
a memoirist or as a prose writer or even a, an essayist, structure is a really that's a that's a tough thing to learn story structure. And mm-hmm. in memoir in particular, you think, oh, well, I can just tell what happened in my life and I can go chronological and and this happened and that happened and that happened. But that's not really a story, right? Mm-hmm. You know, we need rising action and we need diversity of character and we need that evolution of uh, a character through various stages of the story uh, to really make it compelling and interesting and, and be able to see that transformation and that change. Uh, but that takes a lot of practice and a mm-hmm. lot of study. And that's what writing really is, is you know, building practice and study mm-hmm. to, to better your prose as you as you move forward through each book. Before we say goodbye here, Albert, I'm just curious, you know, what's the one message you would like people to take away from Beamish Boy? Ah, from Beamish Boy. Well, it's really that that we are not our story. You know, Mm. I wrote Beamish Boy to tell my story, to kind of let it out and let it go, and to let go really of the conditioning that had built up in my mind around self-limitation and self-worth. And I realized through writing the story that I am not my story, if that makes sense. You know, so, mm-hmm. so often we can get conditioned into believing that we are our past and that our, we are our wounds. Uh, but Beamish Boy is all about knowing that we're greater than our story. We're that which makes our story possible. And that is an infinite sense of possibility within us for our creativity, for our compassion, for our love, for our being in the world. And that's really what writing that book was all about for me. Oh, I love it. Well, thank you so much for being here today, Albert. You've given so much great advice to our listeners and everyone. You can find Albert online at albertflynndesilver.com. That's Albert Flynn, F-L-Y-N-N, desilver.com. You can also sign up for his writing tips at brilliantwriter.com. And please make sure you order a copy and leave a review on Amazon and Goodreads for all of our authors that come on the show. Please join us next time on Literary Speaking for more tips and tricks on how to get your work published as we speak with Lena Fulgoberg, author of the memoir, Beautiful Affliction. Visit crystalleequible.com and sign up for my newsletter to receive updates and bonus Q&A material from our guests. I'm your host, Crystal Lee. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for listening to Literary Speaking with your host, Crystal Lee Quibell. To start discovering how you can begin telling your story, go to crystalleequibell.com. That's crystalleequibell, Q-U-I-B-E-L-L.com. And sign up for Crystal Lee's newsletter. Join us again next week for more advice from your favorite authors and publishing professionals. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.